We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, if you've seen R.J. Barrett's pink suit that he wore to the draft or the formal wear he's been wearing in the tunnel walks and other events, those are all Indochino suits and blazers. Indochino's really cool. You, you go online and you give your measurements, and they're like 17 measurements. I was not expecting to fill out that much, but they measure you in all these different places to make sure that it's tailored just right for you. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Plus, you get to personalize all of the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or do it all yourself at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off of your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for $30 off of your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. What do you think about the Laker team now? Do you follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by Harry's, Indochino, and ShipStation. We are entering a new phase of the season. The Lakers got fat and happy against some of the worst teams in the NBA over the first 19 games, going 17-2, and and that's no small feat. They went 14-0 and against teams under 500 during that time, and you know, most of the time, even if you're a really, really good team, that's a 12-2 and and 11-3. and Somebody will sneak up on you on the right night and get you, but Lakers handled business and really racked up a lot of wins that are going to be important 
at the final part of this season when we're determining seeds. You know, beating those bad teams really goes a long way. But the month of December, Lakers face a lot of playoff teams for the first time. They lost to the first one in Dallas on Sunday. Luka Doncic had a big third quarter and led them to, you know, to a nice win in L.A., they have said that they do not want to lose two games in a row, and they've got a nice test coming up on Tuesday night against the Denver Nuggets. So what we're going to talk about in this podcast is that new phase of the season that we've got coming up. We've been, you know, somebody somebody mentioned, Aya uh, mentioned this on Twitter, that like we've been kind of complimentary of the Lakers, right, and haven't have been holding back some criticisms. And I'm like, yay, like... They've been bad for the last six or seven years. I've been covering them for three of those. I'm going to celebrate the good parts of this team. That doesn't mean that we're ignorant to their flaws. Just there was, you know, when you win 10 games in a row, you're going to get some love on the podcast and all of the other places. But now more of the flaws will become important, right? One of the habits that they got into in this 10-game winning streak is playing hard for like 12 or 15 minutes a game and really turning the screws on a team during that time to get that lead. Well, they're going to have to play hard for 48 minutes to beat a Denver team, right? Or, or 40 minutes, right? Most teams aren't able to focus for a full 48, but they're going to have to play hard for 40 of those. And they still, you know, even at their best, maybe that's a six point win or an eight point win at, at its very best. And so I've seen a lot of lack of attention to detail on the defensive end specifically. So Darius, I, I want to ask you, what have you seen as things have trended downward with the Lakers defense? What are some of the specifics that are the reasons why that's been the case? Oh man, just several small things, which all add up, right? One of the things I've noticed, especially from the Lakers bigs, is that they have just not been as sharp in their contain at the point of attack with pick and roll coverage. If you recall Mm -hmm. earlier during the season, when we were talking about Dwight Howard, for example, we really praised him in terms of how he was getting down in his stance and shading ball handlers well. He was getting wide and getting his arms out, deterring pocket passes, and really sort of keeping the ball handler in front of him. Dwight's not been that the last like week and a half mm-hmm. to two weeks. Like he's had fits and spurts where he's been like that, but overall, the level and and sort of that attention to detail and commitment to those fundamentals has not been there. The Lakers have been closing out short a lot to Mm three-point shooters if they get there at all. A lot of three-point shots been given up in in the last several games. And look, you you know, going back to some of our conversations earlier in the season when we didn't really have any data on this team, that was one of our concerns. How is this team going to defend the three-point line, especially versus shooting big? I remember you even had concerns with some of the smaller guards that were going to be in the Lakers lineup and whether or not the Lakers switched more in pick and pop situations or just in general in terms of their rotations, if those smaller guards were going to be able to get out and really bother shooters. Now, a good thing is the Lakers are still, I think, sixth in the league in terms of opponent three-point field goal percentage. The problem is, Mm -hmm. is like teams are shooting a ton of threes against them right like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think the mav shot like 41 threes against them in that win and so even if they only go 17 for 41 like they did which isn't really a great percentage the lakers only hit seven threes themselves so how are you going to be a minus 30 from 
behind the arc and still be effective. And you can blame, and some of that's the offense's fault, right? Like not getting up enough threes or not hitting the open ones that they did. But the fact of the matter is, is that they gave up 41 of those and to shooting bigs who are comfortable out there taking that shot. And that's a problem. Yeah, it is. It's it's something where, like you said, it's not crazy high percentage, but at that point you're battling math, right? 17 threes is 51 points compared to 21 points for the Lakers. Well, how are you going to make up those other 30 points and hopefully beyond? You know, Lakers have not I don't I don't complain about the refs very often. I think they've gotten kind of rough whistle in some games lately. And I thought there was a stretch in that Dallas game where that was the case. That said, you don't lose by 14 in the NBA because of the referees. You may lose a yeah. call here and there. But and they were down by 20 at certain points. And right. my whole thing is you and I played a little bit of organized basketball in our lives. You and I have both been pissed off at a referee when we've been on a court I get mm-hmm. that it's hard to focus through those situations. There are times where you feel like, oh, we're playing six on five or seven on five or eight on five. And that gets in your head a little bit, right? But Vogel got a technical, okay, fine. He's the head coach. He's trying to get in the refs a little bit, right? But then KCP gets a technical. AD is complaining on a lot of Incidental contact around the basket, maybe it's a call, maybe it's not. LeBron the same way. That's problematic, right? And when your focus gets splintered that way, I think that it's much more of a detriment defensively than it is offensively. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And that was where we saw it. That's where the attention to detail has been waning, right? You mentioned the contains by the bigs, the weak side rotations, the closeouts. Everything's just like what you do, you know, what players do in their individual moments. So like those Dwight contains, it takes just a little bit of extra effort to get to your spot and get low and get your arms out and can, you know, get yeah. in that proper position. Players, when they lose focus, will start to yeah. take shortcuts and that'll get them either a split second later or they'll get there, but they're not in the right stance. Like AD had a closeout during that time. Like, that period where they started complaining about the refs, the wheels kind of came off on both ends. It was kind of like watching a young yeah. team give up this like massive run where they don't know how to get back. And how you get back is just like, do your job, do it right. In that contain, these are my steps, right? I'm going to slide my feet. I'm going to get in a, an athletic stance where I've got my knees bent and get my arms out and belly up to the guy. Those are your, you've got your little checklist to get back on track that the Lakers were too focused on the refs and too focus on, you know, a shot not falling or whatnot. And that's how you give up those. God, there was, I think, a 14 nothing run at some point. That's what Lakers have been doing to other teams, right? And they were on the receiving end of that. So there's been a lot on the defensive end that's been just kind of, they've been fractured a bit. How much do you think is Avery Bradley? I think that matters. So Bradley, to me, And you and I have gone back and forth some about Bradley and how good has he really been versus like some of the things that are flaws. I think that his overall aggressiveness matters. I think the way that he really pressures the ball at the point of attack matters. I think that his want and desire to play hard all of the time matters, right? There is a spirit that he possesses at the point of attack that I think is a driver in terms of attitude. And I would bet if in the next media scrub, when you're talking to Frank Vogel, 
even unprompted, if you asked him what he misses about Avery Bradley, I would bet that would be one of the first two or three things that he mentions, right? Yeah. Um, the thing yeah. that I think matters just as much, though, with Bradley being out isn't necessarily just his own individual play, but the fact that there are now non-defenders essentially replacing him or grabbing more minutes, right? Not necessarily replacing him. KCP has slid into the starting lineup. I think he's been fine. Rondo, though, coming back and bumping up minutes to like the 18 to 25 window, that matters. Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels being basically interchangeable within the lineup. Bradley's missed, I think, nine straight games now. In those games, you had a stretch of Quinn Cook. He didn't necessarily perform. So now, I think after four or five games, Vogel then switched up. He went to Troy Daniels, which is Vogel's MO, right? He has said that he likes to give players or personnel groupings five games or so to see how they go. Those guys are all non-defenders, right? And so now you've got a Mm -hmm. Cook, a Daniels, a Rondo. Those guys are getting more minutes, man. And like that matters. Yeah. Kuzma is playing more now too. We're going to get to Kuzma a little bit later in this podcast. But when the Lakers were sort of at their best defensively, there were times where they were throwing out four-man or five-man lineups that were all plus defenders. You might have like a Caruso, KCP, Danny Green, LeBron, and AD, or LeBron, AD, Dwight, Caruso, and Bradley. There were all of these player combinations where there really isn't a weakness out there, and now there's just been more weaknesses, right? Yeah, one of those weaknesses, I think, is Avery Bradley's strength. Even guys like Caruso and KCP, who are solid guard defenders, they get blown up on screens, man. They're just not that big in yeah. you know terms of strength. And Avery Bradley can get through those. Danny Green can too, but he's more of a 2-3 type of defender than a 1-2 type defender. And having Bradley's strength to get over those, it's, it's, it's one more type of defensive guard that yeah. you can have in there. Even though he's stylistically similar to Caruso in KCP, he can kind of get into guys. And, and your point about how he brings a lot of the want, that's been the biggest thing. A lot of people have asked me like, hey, what's up with the defense? And, you know, are they missing Avery Bradley? Like, yes, but maybe not in the way that you think they are in that those 10 to 15 minute games where they're focusing for just that long. They tried to focus for longer against the Mavericks. I do think they respected the Mavericks. It was just a matter of you're not in the habit of locking in. It's like, you know, if, if you try to go one night with three hours of sleep the next day and like, yeah, yeah. maybe you're fine that next day. But if you do it again, that catches up to you, right? It's, it's like building habits. Lakers have gotten into the habit of just like turning it on when they can. And when the Mavs punched back, they were like, oh, we don't know how to handle this. That's why the Denver game is going to be really interesting to me. I do believe them that when they say they don't want to lose two games in a row during the season, that's a great goal to have. Yeah. However, if you do not have the habits that lead to that, that's. I think this game against Denver is really going to expose both the good and bad of this team because I do think they're going to try. So let's take a quick break. And when we get back, let's talk more about that and then get into a player that I think is really key to maximizing what these Lakers can be on the offensive end. Are you looking for a great gift for someone in your life? If you're looking for a great gift for someone in your life, Harry's is both thoughtful and practical. Listeners of the show can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com backslash blue wire. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. 
Holiday sets are just $20, and a Harry's Blade refills are as low as $2 each. It comes ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box, and your gift gives back. 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. As a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off of any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com backslash bluewire. Plus, you'll get free shipping. Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle with an option to engrave, five-blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, and it's packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com backslash bluewire. That's harrys.com backslash bluewire. And while we're here, the holiday rush is coming, and if you sell stuff online, you better get ready with ShipStation. With more people buying online than ever before, you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all of those orders, or decide which shipping carrier to use, or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door, and delivered on time for the holidays. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. All right, so so before we get into the offensive stuff, do you share my like this Denver game is important ish, or will be at least revealing about this team? Like, what what are you looking for in this December schedule, even beyond Denver, when you see the Lakers up against some really good teams? Yeah, I think I just want to see that number of minutes in terms of focus ramp up more and more and more. Yeah, here's the thing: is against Dallas. So I just want to use the Dallas game as an example for something because I think it's going to matter in the month of December in general. The Lakers came out with an intensity. I had tweeted this at the start of the game, like through the first three or four minutes. LeBron had a couple of really great defensive rotations. He had picked up a couple of steals. They were really flying all over the court and really blitzing the ball handler and rotating behind that. They were doing a lot of things well. They got out to, I think, a 10 or 12 point lead. It might have even been 15. They look good. Dallas made their way back in when the Lakers loosened their grip on the rope a little bit. Now, fast forward to past that point in the game where Dallas had really taken control of the game. The Lakers pushed back. They had, I think, a 10-0 run or a 14-2 run. The, mm-hmm. the Mavs were up by over 20. The Lakers cut it back down to, I think, 10 or 12. Momentum was really starting to shift, right? It's a home game. The crowd is into it. The Lakers are feeling good. Rick Carlisle is calling a timeout. After a couple of possessions after that, the Lakers' focus again started to wane a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the Mavs just sort of kept playing their deliberate offensive style. They got a bucket. Luka hit a step back. That 10-point deficit is now 15 again. And it was sort of hung dog look right, from a couple of different Lakers. The Lakers have this season have been the resilient team, but they've mostly been that against bad teams. I want to mm-hmm. see resiliency against a good team and this ability to punch 
take a punch, punch back, counter. Where is the counter back? I didn't see it against the Mavs. That is the thing I really want to see over the course of this tough month. Based off strength of schedule, the Lakers are going to lose at a rate they have not lost at to this point in the season. Yeah, and that's fine. They can have a very good month and that still be true. Yeah, that's just going to happen. So far through 20 games, I want to say the first eight to 10 games, it was results or it was process and it was results, right? There was alignment. Mm -hmm. In the last 10 to 12 games, it was much more results oriented and the process started to shift. Yes. I want to see them start to get back in line with process stuff. In taking what I just said, are there things within the context of process that you want to see them start to fine tune that would speak to you in terms of progress being made, even if the results aren't there? So it's funny you say that because I think the defensive end, they pretty much know what they're doing. And that's where the lack of effort, lack of focus really manifests. But I have confidence that when they are locked in, they will be able to execute on that. end. they've shown me quite a bit there that to be excited about. The process I'm more interested about is on the offensive end of the court. Huh. We were talking before the pod and you were mentioning like, you know, the the offense, and, and this is while it's grown in ter- or gotten better in terms of net rating or offensive rating and all of that, Lakers don't run many plays. And you said yeah. that, and I was like, yes, that is a simple but absolutely perfect way of putting it. They are very much a give the ball to LeBron James or Anthony Davis with a little side of Rajon Rondo, and you guys create an open look. And that's not entirely bad by any means. I think Kyle Kuzma suffers from that, though. I think that they need to do more to put him in the position to succeed. He needs to do more in terms of his mentality. I've got a piece coming out for The Athletic on Tuesday where he's really gotten away from kind of the gunner that he naturally is. That can be used as a pejorative term in basketball as somebody who doesn't do anything else. He's trying to be a good soldier, right? He's been his defensive effort has has come and gone, and it's less about effort in a lot of instances than it is skill, but his offensive approach is very passive, and they cannot have that from him. What do you see, and, and I'll get to this too, but what do you see that they can do offensively to get Kuz going a little bit more? So I've been thinking of a play And the Lakers ran this play, geez, I don't know how many times last season. And it was on a certain level, I think, to both your and my frustration because it was sort of out of that UCLA Yeah, I was going to say, is it the UCLA cut? Yep, yep. Yeah, how, you you know, so where Kuzma would get that dive off of that high post cut rub screen, LeBron would make him that little entry pass or or even Rondo would too, that, that little bounce pass. He's on the run, he's going to his right hand and he would shoot up one of those half hooks or floaters, bank it in off of the glass. And it was just an easy finish for Kuz, even if it's like not necessarily an easy shot. The angle, the trajectory, he'd have to shoot it off of the glass. All of that stuff was sort of awkward and he just made it a lot of times, and it became a natural action to get him going. And they'd use it a lot. 
even out of timeouts when you'd sort of expect, oh, here comes that damn UCLA alignment. Oh, and there's Kuzma, right, about to make the entry to LeBron and cut off of the high post. And they'd run it and he'd get a basket and it'd be great. Mm -hmm. I cannot remember the last designed play they ran for Kuzma, right? They'll run design plays for LeBron. They'll run design plays for Anthony Davis. They'll even run design plays for JaVale McGee to get him a catch on the move so that he can get into the lane and hopefully finish with power above the rim. They need to do a little bit more of that for Kuz. Like not only actions like that, but just run him off a couple of screens, get him going downhill because he's really effective going downhill. He's got great change of direction. He's got good feet when he's in the lane. They're just not doing it for him. And he needs more of that. The one really intentional action they've been running for him is off of stagger screens where he's either the one that's intended you know, the guy in the corner at the beginning that he'll come off of, off of that, those two screens. But normally he's the first screener and he will peel off after the shooter comes around his screen. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that shooter will twist around and have coups come off of it. But that's been really the only intentional action they've run from him for him. And the problem is that he's not hitting his jumper on the move. So those stagger screens, right? You're coming up from usually from left to right. So he's he's a right-handed shooter with his momentum going right and he's under pivoting. He's not getting his shooting foot out front far enough. So he's going to miss short on a lot of those. But when he's not a threat on that, defenders will go underneath those screens and be like, hey, if you want to break off your route, you'll have an open jumper. I'm not afraid enough of you to be able to hit that shot. He's been really good on his spot ups this year, but when he's on the move, he hasn't put it together. If he's able to hit that at a high enough clip, he will get defenses to start locking and trailing on him to start, you know, being more aggressive at the front end of that play. And that's when his curls to the basket. And like, he's one of the few guys in the NBA where him shooting a floater or a runner is a really positive possession. Most guys shoot that at like high 30%, low 40s on a shot that's only going to get you two points and rarely will get you fouled. Kuz is like a 50 plus percent shooter on those shots. He's in like the 95th or 96th percentile on those, something like that. He needs to be able to get to that point. So if, if he can shoot while on the move, that kind of unlocks the rest of his game. But like you said, that UCLA cut, other little actions to get Kuz off of a cross screen or some of the stuff that they run for AD even, get Kuz the ball in the paint and he'll be able to make those and like his playmaking is down because he doesn't have the ball in his hands very much. Lakers are running very few pick and rolls. And I do think that Kuzma is one of the guys really impacted by that. Yeah. I also think too, like, look, man, like some of the things and Kuzma tweeted about this before he came back, like y'all are going to be surprised with some of the things that I can do. Some of the things I've been working on during the off season, right? There was sort of this implication that he was going to bring a little bit more wing skills to the Lakers. And honestly, we haven't seen it because he's had literally zero opportunities to play that style. I haven't looked up the numbers on this, but I would probably guarantee you that he's probably played 90 to 95 of his minutes or 90 to 95% of his minutes with either LeBron or Rondo on the floor Mm -hmm. and sometimes both. If those guys are on the court, how many ball handling chances do you think that he's going to get unless it's sort of like um, a grab and go where he's bringing the ball up or if it's in in early offense 
and he happens to get an outlet pass. There are ways that I think Kuzma can thrive. I had said this the other day, but there are three areas I feel like where Kuzma is really going to thrive offensively. He's going to thrive in transition. He's going to thrive off of cuts. And he's going to thrive off of like spot up chances that also turn into him being able to attack closeouts. The more that he does things that are outside of those boxes, the more he's going to struggle because those aren't just his areas of strength. Absolutely. And, you know, he's really only checking one of those three boxes. The Lakers are a slow paced team, so he doesn't get many of those transition opportunities. And he really, whether it's transition or offensive rebound or other type of scramble situation, a loose ball, he's amazing on those types of plays, right? He will clean up on those, but Lakers aren't getting a ton of those on the offensive end. Not a lot of kind of codified action where it's very intentional about getting Kuzma on the move, right? He is capitalizing on the spot-ups, which is an improvement over last year that's worth recognizing. And he, you know, will have nice, you know, up fake, rip through, drive to the rim, hit the floater, right? That's one of those circumstances where he can show that off. But I, I feel like Kuz is not as far away from being the guy that we need him to be, as it seems. I see that being able to shoot threes on the move coming off of a screen as kind of this missing link that if he becomes okay at that, and he was okay to actually pretty good at that his rookie year, if he becomes okay at that, that just unlocks everything else. But part of it is a mentality from him. He's got to get out of the whole, I'm trying to be a good soldier and fit in with this team and do the right thing. Like He's still the Lakers' third leading scorer, despite struggling, despite playing only 22 minutes a game. He is quite obviously the guy with the talent. And I would argue that the Lakers need him to get to that point in order to win a title. That he, They need him to be consistent for 15 or 16 a night. And he's just way out of that mentality like he's not even getting enough shots up to get to that point because he's trying to quote unquote make the right play we need him to be who he is and that's a gunner that's a bucket getter and he just hasn't been that look at the difference between the Mavs game and who did the Lakers play before the Mavs my mind is getting spaced here Uh, they played the Wizards yes and who was the game on Wednesday night New Orleans right and so against New Orleans remember he had sort of started out cold And then he got it going and he just sort of turned it on. Mm -hmm. Some of that was just, he saw the ball go in the hoop a couple of times. It just unleashed him. You could see the switch just turn on in like his body language. He just had that confidence that you're used to seeing him play with. Fast forward to Sunday against the Mavs. He's one for eight. He basically looks listless. A lot of his possessions offensively or shots came when the Mavs were playing the zone. He was taking quick pull-up threes off of one swing pass. There's a certain, you mentioned intentionality when it comes to what coaches can do for him, but I think that you probably also mean that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but in terms of him, right? Like his own mindset. I think there's some degree of the teammates too, right? Like if the ball's going to be so exclusively in LeBron's hands, in Rondo's hands. He's getting a lot of minutes with Rondo, too. There have been some plays where, like, I'm I'm trying really hard this year to not, like, complain about Rondo when it's not valid. Yeah. Because I don't think he's been bad, but... Rondo has a very organized way of like, you go here, you go there, you do this. We're going to run this very deliberate action, which we were just talking about. But there are some plays where like Kuz just recognizes a cut and he dives to the basket and then he doesn't 
get the ball right yeah and, and so but it, the the main ball handlers if Kuz is going to reduce his ball handling load the way that he has those guys need to be like yo this kid's important to what we're going to do long term let's try and get him off let's try and get him some easy looks so that he sees the ball go through the basket like you were saying so that accountability is on him it's on Vogel but it's also on the primary ball handlers on this team I 100% agree with that I'm wondering are there ways that you see or lineup changes that you think that mm. are within the same context of what Vogel has done in terms of the players who are getting time, but shifting up maybe the patterns of those or certain personnel groupings that you think would really help a player like Kuzma? Because some of the stats that I've been looking at tell me that Kuzma LeBron and AD have only played basically 83 minutes together Mm, mm -hmm. this season as a trio through 20 games. Now, obviously, that number's depressed some because Kuzma missed time with injury, but still, that's like, what, like maybe six minutes a game? Mm -hmm. Five and a half, six minutes a game for the number of games that Kuzma's played? Do you think that should be more? Do you think Vogel may have to go to more lineups with AD at center? Mm. Do you think that there needs to be maybe more minutes? Because I actually think more minutes with maybe Kuzma and like JaVale and LeBron. Hmm. There are things that carrying over from last year that clearly worked for Kuzma with some of the players who returned with him. But I feel like of all of the lineups that that we've seen, there have maybe only been two or three where it feels like Kuzma has successfully integrated himself. Mm-hmm. Like one of those is definitely the AD at center, LeBron at the other forward, and throw in whatever other two guards you want out there. Like you can swap those around. But are there things that you think Vogel can do from a lineup perspective, or is it just sort of Kuzma needs to find his way? The lineups I have less of an issue with than the scheme in that respect. So Mm -hmm. just from an overall standpoint, I think they need to invest in Kyle Kuzma, meaning that these questions that you're asking right here are some of the most important questions to be asking long term. Like, are we going to be catering to Kyle Kuzma in May or June? No, but we need to know what works, like how Kuzma fits in, where, what lineups, what scheme that he fits with. He has not been good at the four alongside Anthony Davis, or I should put that more accurately, that that lineup, that pairing has not been great Mm -hmm. with AD at the five and with Kuz at the four. We'd probably have to do some diving into the tape to explore some of the reasons why, but it's clear that that has not been good so far. I would like to see Kuz and the Lakers in general do more strong side actions with their best offensive players, meaning that a lot of what the Lakers do will have LeBron on one side of the court and Anthony Davis on the other side of the court. And they're not you know, running a lot of those ball screens. If LeBron throws that entry pass, he's not... There's not a two-man game that's operating off of that. Like, he kind of clears out and lets AD do his thing. I think that if you put... Say if you're running one of those stagger screens, rather than it being a different lineup, or I guess it is if they've only played 83 minutes together, but what if LeBron and AD are the screeners off of that? Or let's say it's yeah. Kuzma that's coming off of it initially in the corner, and then it flows into two-man game with LeBron being the guy who peels off of it alongside AD. And so now you've got these three different things to worry about. you got your spot-up shooters on the weak side to to you know capitalize on any gravity but i think that the floor has been like 
it, this sounds like it's a good thing, but it's been balanced in terms of, you know, we've got a star over here and a star over there. I would love to see them playing off of each other more often. We've even seen less like Kuz getting buckets off of things that LeBron does, which is something he really thrived off of last year. Look, man, like you were speaking my language when you talk about, hey, involve your two or three best players in on-ball or off-ball actions together to make the defense say like, holy crap, how are we supposed to cover this? Why can't the Lakers start to incorporate actions where it's LeBron screening for AD off of the ball Mm -hmm. or vice versa? Or Kuzma and AD setting screens for each other off of the ball with LeBron operating with the ball up high. There are all of these scenarios where you want to run, run staggers, pick and rolls at the top of the floor, but with AD and Kuzma, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Kuzma is more of a slip guy, so maybe he sets the first screen and dives. AD sets the second screen and pops, right? Vogel saying that he wants AD to be able to shoot more threes. Let Kuzma slip out of that first screen, dive hard. If the pocket pass is there, that's the exact type of action that can get Kuzma going to well, well to the rim where he can get into that floater range that you highlighted earlier, right? There are more things the Lakers can do that can work that... They really haven't explored. We're 20 games in now, and and I don't want to like diss Vogel here. I think he's doing fine offensively. I think the Lakers' achievement of sort of being like right now, I think a top six or seven offense, a top five defense, that's a that's a statistical profile of a championship contender, right? Like you mentioned earlier, the level of competition is about to get much more difficult. And we'll see if after December, those rankings are still both around that level. I have my questions, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. That said, can they start to explore and expand things a little bit more within the things that they already sort of like to do, but use their better players to do? do them more often. That's sort of what I'm looking for as we get into this tough part of the schedule as well, because I think they'll need to explore some of that in order to win games. That's absolutely the case. And all of these, you know, critiques and and observations are taking a good team to a great team. Like how do they get to a championship level squad? They're good, man. Like what, what they're doing is, is, by and large worked. They have the best record in the NBA and they've got a lot to be excited about. And I I also think they've exhibited some degree of ceiling that yes, while they've played bad teams, the degree to which they've beaten the hell out of those bad teams when they've wanted to, like when they turn it on, that's what really high level teams are able to do. Like 60 win team type teams are able to do that against bad teams. That's not nothing to write off. But now it's a matter of when we talk about the little details, the focusing for 40 minutes and you still maybe you're six points better than your competition rather than just running them off of the floor. If you like, if you know, if they focus for 40 minutes against uh, a Pelicans team, they beat the hell out of them. That's not going to happen against Denver. It's not going to happen against the teams that they have, uh, that they have coming up. But those types of adjustments, those little things and investing in the things that are going to matter later in which Kuzma ranks very highly on that. I'm less worried about the defense. I do think the Kuz thing is a, something that can go either way. And I could very easily see him being a 
12 or 13 point per game guy for most of this season who's just never really gets on track if they don't address it now. So that to me is one of the most important parts of what we've got coming up. So uh, should be a very interesting month. Uh, Really looking forward to breaking down the Lakers going up against these types of teams. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back, didn't balance the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen! Unbelievable. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?